Mitchell, and uh, one of the pastors here as well. And we're so glad to be able to share together with you on this Sunday. It's a special Sunday. Just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated 85 years here at Calvary Church. And uh, anybody or any entity that is 85 years old has had a lot of experience and a lot of challenges probably along the way. We're no exception to that. One of the things that we want to think about is not just the last 85 years, but we want to forecast for the next three years, the next five years, the next 15 years. In 15 years, we will be 100 years old as a church. And uh, sometimes, um, if you've ever met somebody who is 100 years old, things don't work as well as they once did. We want to defy the odds. We want to be a church that is more dynamic, more fruitful, uh, more effective in its ministry, both to those who live in Santa Ana and Orange County and around the world, more effective in 100 years than we are today. So we're in preparation of pursuing that. We're laying the groundwork. We're trying to uh, cast vision and uh, see what that would look like and uh, as we plan ahead. So we have the theme of Together We Connect today. You notice on the uh, platform behind me, on your left-hand side, is the purpose statement that we've had. These are the things that we want to do. We want to connect with God. We want to connect with one another. We want to grow in our faith. We want to reach Orange County and the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we're introducing a new sentence, and that is our vision. Who are we? Who are we as a church? And as you can see on the screen behind me, this is the wording. We're going to highlight the first bold part, but I want to read the whole portion of it. It says, Calvary seeks to be a church family that is better together. Those words that are common now. Being changed by the gospel to love like Jesus across all cultures and all generations. In the month of November, we're going to unpack what that means. Today, it's all about church family that is better together. Next week, we'll talk about what it means to grow, being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the third Sunday, we're going to be looking at this whole idea of loving like Jesus across every generation and every culture. We want to expand the ministry. It's not just for those of us who are on the inside. It's to reach those that we have not reached yet. So regardless of age, regardless of culture, whatever their orientation may be, we want to reach people for Jesus Christ. And so that is going to be our theme. Now, this morning, it's all about family, church family. All of us probably grew up in very different kinds of families. I was privileged, and uh, sometimes I also say this somewhat sheepishly because I know not everybody has had what I've had. But God was gracious that allows me to grow up in a home that was not perfect, but it was nothing dysfunctional that so many families and maybe some of you experienced. I had a mom and a dad, mom worked, mom's at home, prepares the meal, sit around the table together. It was just that kind of Dennis the Menace, leave it to Beaver kind of a family. And in some ways, I can look back and probably make fun of some of the things we did, but on so many other levels, there was a dynamic and there was a health and there was a foundation, there was a stability, there was a depth of relationships that I'm still benefiting from in my ripe old age today. And God blessed with that. And I think, wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody had a family like that? But I know not everybody does. Some have families where they grew up where there was no father, there was no mother, there was no parents at all. They were adopted early, they were adopted late into another family. They were foster adopted. They were moved around from home to home. They had a father that was authoritative and autocratic and, and relatively either emotionally or physically abusive. 
They had mothers that were detached and strung out on drugs. There's so many variations of families that many of us have experienced. So with knowing all of that, that we have those challenges, whatever the case might be for each of us, I say to myself, wouldn't it be wonderful to be a family that looks a little bit like this? Here are some of those qualities. To have a family whose parents love, and they love us constantly, constantly with unconditional love. That they have this sense that they make me feel like I'm significant. That I don't have to perform for them to love me. They just love me no matter what. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have parents that are constantly and consistently doing that? Where we have parents that have this limitless compassion and mercy, even in our worst failures, that they sit down, they talk to us, we explain what we did. We may have done it with malicious intent. We may have done it by accident. But they say, tell us about it, and we want to support you as we work our way out of the situation. Maybe one of our parents who love like that every time I fail. Parents that know my weaknesses and failures, but they're ready to forgive and restore and have relationships that know us so well. In our personal families, we know each other really well. We really do. In the morning, I put on these black shorts that used to be uh, full length, but I just had Joy scissor them off, and so they're short shorts that used to be long. I have not, no shirt on, and I wander around the kitchen. I wander around the living room. I wander around the family room, sitting around, and then I spend some time in God's Word, and, and I just look like a slob all the while. At night, after I take off what I consider to be sort of my day clothes, I, don't, I, don't wear, I never wear these clothes anywhere but here. I try to look as pretty as I can for you. So it's all about you. That's why I dress the way I do, especially first hour. Normally, I would be in jeans. If I could wear jeans and a Harley Davidson t-shirt every day, oh, man, I'm just like this far from heaven, at least dress-wise. But at home at night, I'll take off the regular clothes that I wear, and I put on these uh, warm-ups, these black warm-ups that I've had forever. It has toothpaste, you know, down here where I dribbled. And then I have this T-shirt. It's a Harley-Davidson T-shirt. And it's got about five days' worth of food that has fallen on it because <laughs> I love to snack at night. You know, you're sitting there, and you just go to get this munchies thing, and you're sitting there, and there's some ice cream there, and there's some, you know, some blueberries over here, and some cottage cheese over here, and a little bit of honey down here. And so I can have a whole menu on my shirt even as I go home tonight. And I look like a slob. And you know what? Whether Joyce sees me in those cutoff in the morning or my warm-ups and my Harley-Davidson T-shirt at night with food all over it, you know what she does? She still accepts me. She doesn't kick me out. She doesn't criticize me. She doesn't rebuke me. She doesn't say, if you're going to be a part of this family, you're going to dress the way I want you to dress. She sees me at my worst, and she still loves me. Now, why is that? Do I have a responsibility to look better? Well, of course, but I don't do that. Come on. Silly. So she still loves me because she knows me. She sees me just as I am. I should sing that wonderful hymn every night, just as I am, you know, and she accepts me. And the same thing could happen in all of us. If you're a woman, 
I don't want to be gender biased here, but generally more women than men wear makeup. Okay? Are we safe? Are we safe here? Is this a safe place? When you get up in the morning, you don't have it on, makeup. My hair is really messed up. Believe me. (laughs) There's something up there, and it gets messed up. And a lot of folks don't wear makeup in the morning. They don't brush their teeth in the morning. They got bad breath. And you walk around the home looking very unnatural. And you know what happens in a family like that? As our girls grow up, same thing with them. We still love them. We know them. We see them. When we come to church on Sunday, many of us, we get sort of prettied up. We sort of get dressed in a way we'd never... I think, what would happen if we say, you know, next Sunday is pajama Sundays. You roll out of bed and you come just as you are. Because we want to see the real you without the makeup. I hate it when I have to put makeup on on Sunday mornings. We want you to come just as you are. And we want to prove that we don't love you because you're just another pretty face. We love you because of who you are. I think next time the clock changes back an hour, we got an extra hour last night, when we have loss of an hour, we should say, on that Sunday, you just roll out of bed and you just show up. We will love you just as you are. Why? Because we're a family. Wouldn't you love to be part of a family that loves like that, that knows me in all my weaknesses and still loves me? that models, that models and mentors and traits that helps me to promote good growth, that I look at mom and dad and they're always kind of spot on and say, man, they're perfect. I hope I can be like them. That always is ready with insights and wisdom and direction when you need it or are anxious about life. That a mom and her dad, when you're trying to decide what school to go to, what job to take, you got two options, which one should I take? You have no options of a job. Where am I going to find some place to live? How do I pay my rent? How do I pay my car insurance? And you don't know what to do about that situation. You call up mom, dad, you go to their home, and you spend a talk with and then they, they just have the knack of saying just the right thing at the right time that gives peace of heart, even though the problem's not fixed, but it does something to your heart. Wouldn't it be great to have a parent that always knows what to say, when to say it, how to say it, what not to say, so that I feel this sense of peace and the anxiety begins to subside, that has this value that all things are different. I'm different. I'm, you're different. We're all unique. And they're not comparing me to my sibling, my brother, my sister, my cousin, the guy down the street. They're saying, you're unique. You're different. You may even have a disability or a handicap. But they say, but we still love you. We love you just as you are. You are made by God. And I love you that way. The differences make you even better to love by me. You have parents who love you and they're always present, always available, but they never seem interfering or overbearing. You know, sometimes they get it wrong. A little bit too far away, a little bit too overbearing. Wouldn't it be great if they're just perfect every time you need them and when you don't need them, they give you room and freedom? You have parents where you, if you're a boy, you want to grow up to be just like your dad. And if you're a girl, you want to grow up and love somebody who's just like your dad. The power of a father in the home is probably one of the most powerful influences as to the stability and the emotional maturity and the kind of ability to succeed in life. And wouldn't it be great if we all had fathers that were like that? 
And wouldn't it be great if we had brothers and sisters who were either born or adopted, but they accept us for who we are because we're family. Whether I was born into this family or I was adopted when I was seven, I'm with you because you're family, and there's nothing you can do to make me not love you. You can be as miserable as you want, but I'm going to love you still the same. Now, brothers and sisters, they seek to have meaningful relationships where you'll sit in your bedroom, you sit on your bed, and you have these talks late at night, and you'll be able to share your heart, and you share your passion, you share your burdens, your concerns, and your brother, your sister sits there and listens so meaningfully. With empathy, they care. They have an ear that seems to understand and connect with what you're saying, and begins to understand what you're not saying, but what you mean to say. Wouldn't it be great to have relationships between brothers and sisters that has this healthy dynamic where their capacity to communicate with me touches the very heart and soul of who I am? Wow. To have family like that. To have a brother and sister that always accepts you and affirms you that because you belong to me that has a brother and sister that knows your faults and weaknesses but persists in loving you and forgiving you. To have a brother or sister that when you cry, they cry. When you are happy, they rejoice with you. That has a brother and sister that has this concept of empathy, of empathy, of saying, I want to come alongside and understand and relate to and validate with your feelings. Wow. Not a brother or sister that one-ups me on a worse story than my story. Not a brother or sister that wants to somehow make me feel belittled because of their success. But a brother and a sister that says, man, I hurt when you hurt. I rejoice when you succeed. No jealousy, no condemnation. Wow. To have friends like that, powerful. To have brothers and sisters that when you experience that sorrow loss, they're first to stop and support you. They drop everything because you are family and you're most important. They have other friends and they're proud to introduce you to them. Wouldn't it be great to have a brother, if you're two brothers, let's say, and your brother's a senior in in high school and one of the great football players on the team, and and then you're a freshman, you come in, and your senior brother says to you, freshman brother, hey, I want you to meet some of the guys in the team. I want them to know you're my brother because I am so proud of who you are. Wow, in high school? Are you kidding me? How often does that happen? But wouldn't it be great to have family that's like that, that loves you enough to speak the truth into your life, that has friends that enjoy you and have fun times with you? Wouldn't it be great if we had a church family that was like that family every time we show up? Wouldn't it be great? Now, here's what I'd like to do. I want to show you a video So I'm going to take a little risk here. I want you to watch this video, and I want you to make mental notes. What strikes you as meaningful, as something that you want to observe and make comment on and maybe uh, help us to see what caught your attention more than maybe someone else? And then I'm going to come down here afterwards, and I'd like for you just to kind of shout out. I watched this, and what really struck me was this that I just saw. So take a look at a family gathering together around the table. Have you ever had guests over for dinner? Invitations have been sent. RSVPs have come in. 
and tonight's the night. This isn't a quick meal on the run, something to squeeze in. It's an evening set aside to gather. You've thought about what to serve, what the table will look like, and where each person will sit. As the guests begin to arrive, you want them to feel welcomed, to feel seen, to feel known. And then there's the moment. The table is set, the food is ready, the guests are seated. It's time to pause, remember, and give thanks. It's time to break bread, share the meal, and enjoy each other's company. Plates are filled, conversation picks up, and there's always room for one more. Looking around the room, what brings this group together? Across cultures, across generations, connections are made through stories, laughter, and even tears. And at the center of it all is the common bond of faith. Sitting around the table, this is family. As the night winds down, the meal may be over, but the memories made will last. Something special happened here. It leaves you wanting more to further the fellowship and gather again. You come away from the evening with a sense that this is what life should be like. Okay, that's a family of families. What are some things that strike you about that family, the dynamics of some of the things you observe? Just shout it out really loud. We'd love to hear. What? Multi-generations. Yes, thank you. All ages. Young people like myself and some people even older than me. It was great to see that. Always room for more. You know, Jim Davis shows up late there at the dinner table. If you know Jim, he's the first hour and really helps us in a lot of ways. He shows up. And what happens? We all get up, we slide over, we say, Jim, we're glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Always room for another. Anything else? Say it. I'm sorry. Family of faith. Family of faith. Pray together at the beginning. We're here before the Lord. That's what brought us together is Jesus. Otherwise, we wouldn't have known each other. Sharing everyday events, sitting around the table. It's a common meal, and uh, there's something that happens when you talk over food. I don't know what it is, but it suddenly lowers the inhibitions. There's a dynamic that ha- happens there. One, one other thing? Serving each other. Serving each other. Everybody came prepared. The tables were prepared. There was a uh, work to gather the table and make it ready and expecting people to show up, and then everybody helped to clean up afterwards. It wasn't like, Shannon, you know, good luck with the table. We're out of here. We're done. Uh, but there was serving together. You know, there's so many, so many elements that can come out of this image of a family that is sharing together. And one of the hopes and prayers and desires and the vision that we have for Calvary Church is that as a church family, we are not just a, an educational institution where people can come and learn and go do your own thing, although we teach God's Word. We're not just a business where we have elders that are like the board and I'm the CEO. No, we should run it well, but they are shepherds as as our staff who cares for people. We're not an entertainment industry where people can come because you really like the music or the guy that preaches or you don't like it, so you choose churches based upon what's most entertaining for you. We should be engaging 
But that's not what we're here for. When God designed the church, it was so that we would be like the family I just presented to you. When Jesus was walking the earth, one of those verses that may have passed us by was this one. Discipling his men that were following him, he said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but, that's a big but, but that he will receive 100 times as much now in the present age Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions and in the ages to come eternal life. I love this thing that Jesus said. Let me drill it one more time. He says, you're going to have to leave your family. Jewish people who become followers of Jesus as the Messiah, they literally leave their family, their brothers and sisters. They leave them behind. And then Jesus says, but if you come, become my follower, I'm going to replace that biological family with a spiritual family. And that spiritual family of houses and brothers and sisters and mothers, he says, you will receive 100 times now in the present age. Wow. 100 times now. Today. Not in heaven, today. Why is that? Because suddenly I'm part of a family where there are brothers and sisters who are going to give to me the kind of love and grace that Jesus had. I'm going to be part of a family where I have parents and leaders who are going to give to me the forgiveness and the restoration that Jesus had. And that doesn't just always happen naturally. But when you become part of the conversion of Jesus Christ, He builds within us a quality of relationships that is in a family that is not dependent upon performance and the and doing well enough to be accepted, but based upon just being who you are. And so we have all the things that I just listed, but a wonderful family. All those things become yours. And it's 100 times better than what many of us get in our own biological family. In fact, many of us, many of us, and I know that there are many because I hear, have grown up in biological families that you resent what was absent. And what God says is, I want to come along and give you a family that is 100 times better, where relationships are built around something very different, the principle of Jesus and his love and his grace, his forgiveness, his restoration, his empathy, his belonging, his acceptance. We want that for Calvary Church. That's our vision, to be a church family that is better together so we have a father that has compassion on us. In Psalm it says, So the Lord has compassion on his children. He has compassion on those who fear him, for he himself knows our frame and that we are mindful, that we are but dust. We have a father that after Jesus was baptized said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We want a father that says, I love you. I'm so pleased with you. You are just the perfect person that I can love. We have brothers and sisters that they're members of one body and they don't have the same function, but we are many who are one body in Christ. We're members of one another. We are relationships of a family that says, I expected you to come. I prepared a place for you. You came in late. That's okay. We'll make room for you. You belong to us since I will never kick you out. I care for you in an empathetic way that says, I want to hear your heart and understand where you're coming from. I want to know your story and be able to relate to you more effectively. 
That's the kind of family where you rejoice with those who rejoice and you weep with those who weep. And you find this kind of relationship of building together a family 100 times better than anything this world can give us. Now, I'd like for you to hear one of the families here at Calvary Church. So I'm going to invite Randy and Tammy to come on up here, and let's welcome them as they make their way up here. We're thankful for them. You probably see, if you go to the bookstore, I hope you, you do, you'll see Randy in there faithfully, whether weekday or on Sunday, in between services and after service, but not during service times. Right. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Tammy works with us on staff here as well. And you might think, you say, okay, Randy and Tammy, yeah, they've probably been up here all the time. Everybody knows them. They know everybody else. It was probably a no big deal when they came to Calvary. Probably even, they were probably born here and grew up here and had their diapers changed here or something like that. But uh, no, not the case. So, Randy, tell us, how did you end up here at Calvary? Well, I mean, to tell our story, I feel like we have to sort of do a little bit of a history lessons because it was 27 years ago, April uh, 1989, somewhere around April Fool's Day. You can make with that what you will. Uh, but 27 years ago, this church was different. Um, this building wasn't here. This was just a gravel pole that they were getting ready to build this building. And we all met over at Sam's Vic. And the Samzik being smaller, it was, uh, uh, you know, you had to line up, and the services were packed, and uh, when a service was over, those people left that service out the front, and then you waited to go in like, like a herd of cattle. As soon as they opened the door, we all just boo- moved in and uh, got our spots. And that's the situation where we found ourselves when we first came here. Uh, a lot of times, Tammy would be dropping off the kids, and I would go stand, and get, you had to get yourself a spot in line. And she'd come back, and we'd just move in. So it wasn't a situation where you could get to know people. You were just sort of trying to get into the service and get out. And, uh, at, at, and after quite a while, we didn't know anyone. Uh, we didn't know a single person at this church. And we would just sort of come and go. And at times, it seemed almost insurmountable, like, were we ever going to get to know anybody here? Uh, the teaching were changing our lives. We were we were being affected by the Bible teaching. And I think what happens is when the Spirit of God starts to move within you, you want to move out and start, you know, interacting with people. But we just didn't know how to do that. We didn't, couldn't get anywhere. We had gone to a little class with uh, Pastor Sam Talbot that was on the staff at that time. And that was one person that we knew. And Tammy was leaving the parking lot one day and... Uh, she pulled out on uh, Wellington and was sitting at the light there, and he saw her, and he honked and waved. And she came home. She was so excited. Mm. It was yeah. like, someone knows us. Yeah. We were so excited. It's like, oh, wow, somebody knows us at Calvary Church. So. That's great. Tammy, how was it for you getting introduced and engaged here? Well, it was interesting. Uh, it had some different challenges in the early days. We um, were a young family trying to make friends. We needed people in our lives, and didn't uh, quite know how to go about doing that. So we, the leadership at the time was encouraging us to be a part of a small group. We did sign up for one, and we um, showed up one night super excited to meet other families and couples actually our age. And the next day, they called us and said it wasn't a good time for us to join their group. Hmm. So we were like... Turned you down. Yeah. I'm not a super fan of rejection, so that was really hard and uh, just discouraging. We were Mm. like, wait, what? And we really felt like that's what 
the path that we would take. Uh, mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, um, that wasn't meant to be. So we still decided to stay. Um, our kids were flourishing in the children's ministry. They were being loved on. They were growing. We saw changes in them. And that was, okay, we're going to dig in and we're going to stay. So then not long after that, the senior pastor was asked to step down because of a moral failure. Mm. So that was another kind of blow, um, discouragement. We really were growing under his teaching and uh, felt like, gosh, just there was a mass exodus kind of at the time. So we were like, well, do we jump ship now or do we dig in? And the Lord allowed us the wisdom to dig in, and so we stayed. Um, And what we learned of most of all in that time was that our focus had to stay on the Lord, not on the senior pastor or the, any of the pastors. Like we had to really f- stay focused on God and he was the one worthy of our, you know, affection. Um, so we started involving ourselves in children's ministries. We dug in, Randy got involved in men's ministry and slowly but surely started making friends and connections. And over the last over the next several years, our family really felt like we belonged here, and this was our family. And, um, yeah, we began doing life together. Yeah, so you began to connect with people like that. And then how did you happen to end up on staff then? Here you are both serving on staff. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of an out, it's a natural outflow of sort of having relationships. That, that job at the bookstore just sort of opened, and I sort of became involved in it just because I knew people. So, again, it was sort of related to the relationships you had. And I just can't believe it's been 22 years this December that we, you know, I've got to run the store. And it went, you know, it's been full-time since 2003. And... Sam came on staff, again, connections that she had in, in, in 96, so it's been 20 years for her. So, mm-hmm. All right. So how, how would you describe it today, Tammy? What's, what's it look like? Well, I mean, Calvary Church has shaped m- not only me, but every member of my family. We have been, like, imprinted forever mm-hmm. from the ministry of this church. Um, we've learned to serve one another here. We've learned to serve our community. We've learned and had challenges and opportunities to serve across the world. So we, we are just so incredibly blessed to be a part of this church family and to even in the messy, all the messiness of it, it still feels good to, um, to be a part of it. And our kids have also so incredibly blessed to know that our kids are here. They have their deepest Relationships have been rooted here at Calvary Church. So, um, and then to think, okay, the next 15 years, our grandson and our future grandkids are going to grow up here at Calvary Church and enjoy the benefits (laughs) and all of the richness that is ours as a church family. Absolutely. Because I think, you know, uh, who would Jesse and Ben be married to had they not been here? They found Doug and Sarah. I mean, man, these people. Yeah, there they are. So, it, it, you know, there's, there's fruit that comes through longevity, I think, is one of the things that I'm hearing, and uh, a great benefit uh, to that. Uh, Randy, you want to wrap us up? Well, it's just like one of the things I, I would think about our story is I don't think it was, it's very unique. I think there's a lot of people that come and don't know anyone, and it feels like everybody knows everybody, and I don't know anybody. And, and that, I would say, is not true. Everybody doesn't know everybody, and you're not the only one that feels alone. Uh, the other thing I would say is, you know, I wanted, I wanted to share our story partly because it just I wanted it to be encouraging to those that are p- trying to get to know people. 
I think, uh, of course, I have to mention a book. Mm. It just has to happen. So um, I, I couldn't help but think about Eugene Peterson. He has a book called uh, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I think that's a good description of the Christian life. It's a long obedience in the same direction. And I would add possibly a long obedience in the same direction with others is even better. Mm. Um, you know, when trouble, you just stay the course, you get involved with these relationships, and then trouble happens, like what Dave mentioned earlier. It's like all that, and then you go through it together. And, and for me, a, a little bit, it was almost like a light bulb coming on going, oh, that's what Christianity, I get it now. I, get, I see we're going through this together, and you, God uses those troubles to just weave us down deep into relationships where we're, like, connected in a special way. So the, in closing, I would just say this. We, we wanted to share our story just because we have just been so blessed here at Calvary, just like he, the verse says a hundred times, a hundred times or more uh, in our relationships and the connections that we have here. And, and as, a, as sharing this, I would want anybody that's sort of new, it doesn't know anyone, I would love for you, I long for you to be sitting here someday 27 years from now and, and having what we have. I'm, mm. I would want that for you. Mm. So. All right. Thank you so much, Randy and Tammy. We love you guys, and thank you for your work. We want that for everyone. And, you know, there's a sense, there's part of me that wants to apologize. You know, certainly to Randy and Tammy, they don't expect that. But for all who maybe have an experience that is similar to theirs, they came, they tried, get connected, got rejected, didn't find a place. And we say we're sorry. That's not who we are. That's not who our vision wants to be. We want to be a place that is inviting, that is engaging, that is welcoming, that is accepting, that you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You don't have to perform to a certain level. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be a certain way. We want to love you the way God loves you now. Here's a great passage that is in Acts. The first time the church began. This is the very first church service. In Acts chapter 2. So then those who had received his word, the word of God, to be saved, was baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 people to the church. They were continually, continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs which were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. What a portrait of a perfect, wonderful family. And the family that I throw on the screen, these things that they are here to invite, to welcome, to accept new people who come in, that we go out of our way to reach beyond the aisle, beyond the seats, across the lobby, across the patio, so that I can engage and welcome and accept and get to know those who 
I don't know. I already have my cluster of friends. Don't let that cluster or that friendship that you have today, it may be a small group, it may be just a discipleship group, it may be guys and women that you just sort of hang out with during the week, but don't let that group fill you up so there's no room for the next person that shows up. Because sometimes we think, I've got enough going on now, I don't need any more people in my life. And that was not the way it was as God continued to add to the numbers day by day. We learn the truths of God's Word together. We share meals and fellowship together. We experience God's work together. We have this sense of sharing our finances and resources together. We enjoy life together. And when you do it like Randy and Tammy for 27 years, there's a 100-fold product, fruitfulness, that comes from it that you could never measure. If I may say, one of the things that really bothers me as a pastor, here's Dave's talk. I can't find a verse for this, but I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Is people who will be at Calvary for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and then suddenly XYZ Church has greener grass, and they just uproot the relationships that have been built over 20 years and sort of try to replant. You ever try to replant a tree that's been planted for 20 years? It doesn't always work out real well. To take relationships where maybe you've been with people where they have been with you when you had financial distress. You went through the cancer treatments. You went through the divorce, the lost job, the foreclosed on home, the child that died, the parent that has Alzheimer's. And people come around and want to support you and care for you. That you don't just get that when you show up and visit a church every so often and, and maybe just been there for a month and then transfer to another church. Those relationships, we wish that it was automatic. We wish that we were there in heaven and it would always occur immediately. But over the course of time, as I invest my time, my relationships, and my love with people, and they likewise to me. There's something that happens of a depth of care because I know you, I've walked with you, I've been with you. I mean, my goodness, I'm not going to talk out of school, but I'm just thinking about that is that Randy and Tammy were sharing. Our daughters kind of hung out in high school and got into a boatload of trouble way back in high school. And we go over to Randy and Tammy's home that night and we talk to our girls and say, what, what are we going to do about this mess? Our daughter got kicked out of Foothill High School over it. It's just crazy. But then you have, these, you have this history of problems solved that builds relationships that otherwise wouldn't be there. They're a 100 times better than those that are shallow and isolated. So we want that for Calvary. We want meaningful relationships of people working together, engaging with one another. So what do we do from here? What are our next steps? Here are some things. I want us to think, and I want you to invite you, we need everybody to be part of this church survey. I know this feels like a turn. It feels kind of cold. It's a survey, computers. But we want to know the state of our flock. Scripture says, know the state of your flock. And we want to invite you to take a survey and tell us who you are, where you're coming from, because the more we know someone, the better we can relate to someone. So 
there's, there's, there's uh, computers in the lobby. You can do it there. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your iPad. Do it at your computer at home, calvarylife.org slash survey. Please take about 10 minutes and just go through that and tell us. You can log in, get a password, and it'll fill in all your uh, personal information, name, and that sort of thing. Or you can just do it as a guest. We would love to be part of that. Because we want to connect people together. It's our vision that we become a family that loves and cares and empathizes and belongs and accepts and invites and prepares for other people. And there's always room for more. We also ask you to go to the Discover class, Discover Calvary class, the membership class. So who are we as a church? How do I become part of this entity? And maybe you had a struggle like Randy and Tammy early on and Maybe this would be one of those ways that you can begin to connect because we want to do better in welcoming you and inviting you and accepting you. We can have Calvary classes where you can go. Calvary goes to dinner. We're going to have those on the 13th where you can spend dinner night with someone. You have also the neighbor good that's coming up on the 19th, and it's where we're going to serve people in our parking lots around our church, cars and haircuts and all kinds of things that you can serve in together. You can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, trust in Him. That's the beginning point of Acts chapter 2 when they became part of the church. It's not just another social club. It's not a Rotary or Kiwanis. It's, It's not some of these clubs on a campus at school. It's something different. 100 times better than anything we have biologically or humanly that God wants to do for us through Christ. And then be baptized. The last Sunday of November, we're going to have a baptismal service. We'd love for you to share your story through water baptism. We have classes that will teach you all of what that's all about. And then find other ways for life groups, life stage ministries, some of the things that Tammy and Randy talked about. These are the vehicles, and we want to welcome you to them. We have a life group that's meeting tonight in, in one of our homes, and we regularly have new people that come in, and we just add another seat, we add another couch, we add another kitchen table, and we just love to invite new people. We would love for you to be part of groups like that. So you're part of a church family that is a wonderful family where you belong, you're accepted, you're known, and you're loved all the more. And one last thing I want to say is this. In 15 years, Calvary Church will be 100. In 15 years, believe it or not, I know I don't look it, but I'm going to be 80, 80 years old. I can't imagine being 80 years old. I can't imagine being 65. I know that's ancient for a lot of you. I get it. But one of the things that I know probably is true is that at age 80, I won't be doing what I'm doing now. And so sometime between now and then, the role changes. I don't know when that is. I know that there's discussion about uh, search committees being formed and and things like that. I'm like, really? (laughs) Uh, We're not. But it's interesting. Talk about home life. My dad, before he passed away, some years before he passed away, he sat me down, took me into one of the bedroom. He says, David, here's our living trust. I want you to understand what our plan is because I'm not always going to be here. I said, well, yeah, that's true. And it's interesting because as my father aged, our roles changed. Most all my life, my dad was the authority that cares for me. And then as he aged, that role changed. And I began to care for him. Literally, I would some days pick him off the floor to put him on the bed because the Parkinson's had taken away his strength. 
much like he must have done me when I was a kid. So he has this living trust. And the trust says, David, this is the plan. That when we're gone, here's the plan. And I like that. That it's not abrupt, it's not shocking, it's not startling, it's a plan. So I have invited the elders to develop a plan. That if I get run over by a motorcycle, or in a, on a motorcycle, I should, it might be by a motorcycle, but next Saturday, you know, we've got a plan. If I'm here in another five years doing the role that I'm doing, we have a plan. So I know that there have been people that have discussed, at least the word that I get on the street is that there's talk. And it might be because I just look old, but there's talk. And I just want you to know that I'm not retiring, I'm not resigning, and uh, we don't need a search committee, don't ask to be on one. (laughs) And if you ask me afterwards, so Dave, when are you retiring again? I will slap you because that's not what I'm going to hear to say. That's not what I'm doing. So, I just want you to know that we, you know what families do? Families are open. A dysfunctional family says this, don't talk, don't touch, don't trust. I hate those three things. Don't talk, don't trust, don't touch. I want us to be a family that can talk, that can trust, and we can hug one another if we like to. I want us to be open and transparent. So I want you to know that. And if you hear talk, that's what's going on. That's all you need to know. That's all that I know. I don't know many more than you do beyond what I just told you. And it's usually true every Sunday. So I just want you to understand that. So with that in mind, I as senior pastor recognize that I'm not senior pastor. I am the assistant to the senior pastor. The senior pastor is Jesus Christ. And he is the only pastor you should pay homage and worship to. And so I'm assisting him now that when we come to the senior pastor who is Jesus, we come to him because of his body and his blood, his sacrifice in our place, that he died in our place to forgive us of our sins and that we could be part of the family of God, a place to belong and be accepted. And that's the vision we have for Calvary. So I want to pray as we receive the elements here in a moment, the bread and the cup. Let me pray for that. The band's going to come up and lead us in worship. And we want to experience a unity as a family. We take the bread, we they take the cup like we dine together around the senior pastor called Jesus Christ. And let his life be celebrated because of our commitment to him. So let me pray for us as we worship through communion. Father, help us now as we come before you. We want your will at Calvary. It has been the heart cry for 85 years that we be the church you want us to be. And Father, we know we have things to work on. We know we're not done. I'm not done. We're, none of us are done. God, we want to do what you want us to do. We want to be who you want us to be. We want to live the life that you want us to live. I want us, and I know you want us, Father, to be a church family that is truly better together. And so, Father, we come and we celebrate our senior pastor, Jesus Christ, because of his death, burial, and resurrection that makes this family possible, because he paid the ransom to set us free from sin to be part of this, the body of Christ. So, Father, thank you for the bread. Thank you for the cup and the rich symbolism of the body and the blood of Jesus. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.